Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive faith community deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Once there was a girl, much like any other, whose head was filled with all the curiosities of the world. She was curious about whales and wind, monkeys, magic, solar systems, seeds, and ships. I wonder what is one thing that you are curious about? Will you say it softly now, out loud? So this little girl talked about bees and the seas and constellations and all her questions with one person who would always wonder with her, her grandfather. She took delight in finding new things, and her grandfather took delight in her delight. One day, when the girl ran to share a discovery with her grandfather, she found an empty chair. Her grandfather had died and was no longer able to wonder with her. I wonder if you have ever lost someone you love. If you have, I hope you are not alone with that loss. Feeling unsure, the girl thought the best thing was to put her heart in a safe place, just for the time being, so she put it in a bottle and hung it around her neck. And that seemed to fix things at first. Although, in truth, Nothing was the same. She forgot about the stars and stopped taking notice of the seas. I wonder if you can imagine what it feels like to have your heart in a bottle. With her heart bottled up, the girl was no longer filled with all the curiosities of the world and didn't take much notice of anything other than how heavy and awkward the bottle had become. But at least her heart was safe as she grew. And grow she did. She grew and she grew until she was all grown up. And her heart may have stayed in that bottle forever. But one day, the grown-up girl met someone smaller and still very curious about the world. Someone curious about elephants and elements spaceships and skeletons, and full of so many questions. Now, there was a time when the grown-up girl would have known how to wonder with a child, but not now, not without her heart. And it was right at that moment that she decided to get it back out of the bottle. But she didn't know how. She couldn't remember. And nothing seemed to work. The bottle couldn't be opened or broken. She tried a hammer. She tried throwing it from the top of a tall ladder, and the bottle just bounced and rolled. But then, the small child, still curious about the world, gave it a try. A small hand can fit inside the small neck 
of an unbreakable bottle. And that is how the heart was removed and returned to the chest of the grown-up girl where it remains to this day, beating and feeling, loving and living, and wondering about all the mysteries of the world. If your heart is ever stuck in a bottle, I hope that when you are ready, you will have some help getting it free. That is a job for two or more. And that is why we are here together this morning and every Sunday to keep wonder alive and to help one another. Today we rest in the reality of impermanence, our changing bodies, the constant movement of our breath, our relationships that are ever evolving, this earth that moves and gives us life. May our shared and changing breath carry us into the silence that makes us one. Spirit of life and love, God of many names and beyond all naming, today we hold space for all the losses, the dream we had to let go of, the death of someone dear, the ending of a relationship, the change of a career, the child who has distanced themselves from us, loss of income, or changes in our health. We have cried alone and together. We have trudged on with determination or with resignation, or maybe started down a new path with a sense of opportunity. But in this moment, we pause together and just feel what we need to feel, honoring what we have lost and what we have navigated. In this place of acknowledgement and tenderness, we are aware of the escalating tensions with Iran, knowing that troops in Fort Bragg and elsewhere are being deployed at this very moment. We pray that reasoned and thoughtful voices will prevail in our governing bodies so that justice and peace might take root even in this precarious time. In this place of honoring and navigating loss, we acknowledge the losses our planet has endured due to climate change. The loss of habitat, populations of birds and wildlife, patterns of weather that have been forever changed. We hold in particular the land and the people of Australia where fires continue to rage. This may be the place that has captured our attention, but all of us in all countries are greatly impacted by the realities of global warming and the inaction of our world leaders and our own inaction. Ever-present love Although the changes have been many and the losses overwhelming, may we know ourselves as beloved. 
May we feel ourselves beloved in our families, in our communities, and on this troubled earth. It is from the ground of being, the ground of goodness and grace, that comfort may be taken and transformation can begin. There is no remedy for love but to love more. There is no remedy for love but to love more. That's what Henry David Thoreau writes. And now a blessing for the brokenhearted. Let us agree for now that we will not say the breaking makes us stronger or that it is better to have this pain than to have done without this love. Let us promise we will not tell ourselves time will heal the wound when every day our waking opens it anew. Perhaps for now, it can be enough to simply marvel at the mystery of how a heart so broken can go on beating, as if it were made for precisely this, as if it knows the only cure for love is more of it as if it sees the heart's sole remedy for breaking is to love still, as if it trusts that its own stubborn and persistent pulse is the rhythm of a blessing we cannot begin to fathom, but will save us nonetheless. When I've experienced deep grief, the hardest time usually for me is in the morning. If I've been lucky, I've gotten a little bit of sleep and maybe forgotten for just a little bit what fresh hell I'm waking up into and what new reality I'm trying to live into. And so then when I wake up in the morning, I remember it all over again and it hurts again. There have been times when I've been in those deepest places of grief where my body has decided, well, then the best way to deal with this is not to sleep because then you don't have to wake up, which I'm just saying is not a great long-term solution. It is, I think, kind of like the girl who put her heart in a bottle, a good short-term protection method, maybe for a little while, but I needed something more. And I think, too, at least for me, when I look at myself moving through those times of deep grief and as I've watched so many of you take that journey, too, I am amazed at the creativity of our bodies and minds and spirits, the ways we come up with to carry this loss, the different ways we figure out how to survive, even when we feel like we can't possibly. Watching you and watching myself I've come to believe that our bodies and minds and spirits know how to do this. I don't know how, but I think in a lot of ways it's just like we know how to be born, we know how to die, we know how to grieve and love again. It's something about how we are made. 
There might be times after a particularly difficult loss when we need to put our hearts in a protective bottle for a while. But what I've seen is that something, sometime, stirs that heart up again, starts it rattling around in the bottle, asking to come out and come see the wonders of the world again. I've seen this over and over in your lives and in mine. There's something in us that knows how to lose things and love again. See, I think there's something inside of us that wants to live sometimes, even when the pain feels like it is too much. There's something creative and resilient in each of us, something that finds a way to make a way out of no way, and sometimes that instinct or impulse is small, and sometimes it is big and loud. Sometimes it needs the fan of love or the shelter of companionship to come out. But I believe in this impulse in us to figure out how to survive what feels unsurvivable, this part of us that will ask eventually, what can I make out of even this loss? What can I make out of this? The piece of music we just heard is one example of just that. It was created in 1941 at Stalag 8A, a German camp holding prisoners of war, and the composer, Olivier Messiaen, made use of what he had. He was a prisoner of war there, a prisoner of war in a brutal war where he saw the worst of what humanity can do to each other. He experienced captivity and fear and loss, isolation from those he loved, not knowing how long it would last or if he would survive. Out of this, the composer created a piece that some say is the most hauntingly beautiful musical piece of the 20th century, a quartet for the end of times. There in the camp, Messiaen gathered a handful of players and some subpar instruments. He brought together an audience of prisoners and guards alike, all of them shivering together in the unheated barracks, and he hosted a debut for this piece. Now, it may have had a less auspicious beginning, some would say, than some of his other pieces, but I think it was pretty powerful. A quartet for the end of times. An act of creative resilience. The human spirit responding to the question I believe it so often asks, how can I survive? How can I make something out of even this? Learning the story of this piece of music reminded me of my own story, of my grandfather's story. A member of the British cavalry, he was captured early on in World War II. He spent years in a prison camp not knowing when or if he would be released, not knowing if he or his wife he had left behind in London would survive. He didn't know that his first child would be born and die before he got home. There was so much he couldn't know there in the camp. But he knew something. He knew that most days he wanted to survive. And so he and his fellow prisoners came up with a plan. They figured that each of them knew something about something. So to keep their minds awake and agile and fresh, they would teach each other. They formed a school using the materials they had, the time they had, the connections they had. My grandfather taught math and he came home fluent in German. It was one of the things he learned from his fellow prisoners. And he kept 
on being fluent in German his entire life, even teaching it at the senior center in his town 50 years later. When I asked him about it, he said that he wanted to remember the language. He wanted to remember it because he wanted to remember that the people and the place and the country were more beautiful than the war, and he wanted to keep that alive. Creative resilience. They are the ways that our hearts and bodies and spirits figure out how to survive, and then out of even that devastation, even that fear and sadness and anger and disappointment, to find a way to make something new. I would imagine that you, too, have seen and known these acts of creative resilience in yourself and in others. And I have come to trust this, this creativity, this will toward life that can come forward in us and can make something out of seemingly nothing. And I also know that it doesn't always happen that way. That sometimes the grip of addiction is too tight, the pull of mental illness too intense, the loss too much to bear. It doesn't always end with a symphony or a story of triumphant forgiveness. So like the poet we heard earlier, I will not tell you that the breaking will make you stronger or that it's better to have this pain than to have done without this love. I know with you that while time offers its gifts in healing, there are days too when each morning brings the pain anew. So I will tell you this instead. I will tell you that you can carry more than you know. I will tell you that even though your grief is particular and your loss is particular to you and your life, that our hearts and bodies and spirits are made for even this. I will tell you that we know how to be born and we know how to die and we know how to live and lose and love and live again. There is a spiral quality to grief. This is what I've seen, that we move back and forth and in and out, moving from piercing pain to comfort to hope and all over again in no particular order. There's no clear timeline for grieving, no day when we can expect we won't feel it anymore, no list of emotional tasks to check off. Instead, I have found it's about surrendering to the spiral of it, moving back and forth through the pain and the comfort and the hope and all back again, trusting that our heart knows its way with tender care back out of the bottle. So let us marvel at the mystery of how a heart so broken can go on beating. Let us recall the acts of creative resilience in our lives and in others, the strength and tenderness we have in our own hearts. Let us remember that even when we'd really like to keep our hearts tucked safe in a bottle, the only cure for love is more of it. May we find more and more and more love however broken our hearts are. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow 
in the universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.